In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, um, conclusion of the churching, uh, we uh, are assigned to say, Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. My eyes have seen thy salvation, which you prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. The very words of St. Simeon to conclude that beautiful service. And uh, Clay Michael was so heavy, I forgot to do that. <laughs> so I did it here. So, so today we uh, come to uh, the Sunday of Lent as we approach the fifth week of Lent. Son of God comes to this poor man who has a son as a mute spirit. Um, and the struggle was that, you know, he understood and, and, and that when the Lord came and when his disciples would come, there would be healing, but there was no healing for his son. So when the Lord appears, he says, uh, why didn't this happen? And the Lord makes a couple of comments that are critical here. If you believe, this can happen. If you believe. So belief becomes a critical piece now for us in terms of trusting God to do what God does for us in terms of our requests. They're always requ our request is always kind of guarded with, but your will be done. So the man says something very profound. Lord, I believe, but then what's he say? Help my unbelief. So he admits it, he confesses this. And the Lord then, by his mercy, frees this young child from this mute spirit. And then the question comes, why could not the disciples cast out this mute spirit? And he says, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. And so um, today I'd like to just kind of help us back on track in the Lenten uh, season. This week, I don't know for you, but for me, um, this is a, Lent's a long haul. It's not six weeks, it's seven weeks. Because it includes Holy Week, and that's the most intense week for us. And so we come to this point where, you know, we're kind of at the top of the mountain, but there's still a long journey ahead of us. And sometimes we get worn out. Sometimes we don't look at it uh, like, well, I'm not doing that well, so I'm just going to kind of coast. Well, I want to encourage you today not to do that, but to recommit yourself to your prayer and your fast. So let's look at how the Lord brings this about. Um, the Lord himself begins his ministry of fasting. He comes to the desert, and the first temptation was for, uh, for food. He was hungry, and the devil tempted him with food. Turn these stones into bread, and then you can eat. And the Lord makes this very profound statement, which is a quote from Moses in Deuteronomy. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I'll share this with you later, but when... When we are in the fast, this should be our, our mantra. 
When you get hungry, what should you say? I don't, man does not live by bread alone. Combat this, combat it. Don't, well, I'll talk about it later. I'm going to get ahead of myself, I know that. I'm very excited, so <laughs> hold on to your seats here. Um, so this beautiful moment in Deuteronomy, it's a very important explanation of the fast. It, the explanation of God testing the Israelites in the desert. He deals harshly with you to test you, to, so you to know what's in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he weakened them with hunger. He weakened them with hunger to do what? Test their hearts. You get hungry? What do you, God's testing us, testing our heart. What's in your heart? And so this important piece here to understand the fast, I hope I can help you a little bit, the importance of it and, and the joy of it, really, the joy of the fast. So in this uh, kind of the, the Lord's comment to us, we do not live by bread alone. We even see this difference between Adam and Eve. You know, Adam was told to fast from the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And he broke the fast and brought upon him death and corruption upon mankind. The Lord himself in the fast does not succumb to temptation and brings us back to life and paradise and again communion with God. So we see this fast as a connection with life and death. In itself, it's a connection. Father Alexander Schmemann, he says it's a connection between life and death and salvation and damnation. That's how serious it is for us. You know, fasting also, Father Alexander Schmemann uh, uh, comments, the fast debunks the devil's lie that food is life. You know, your stomach talks to you. You ever hear your stomach talk to you? I'm starving. If I don't, if we don't eat, we're going to die. <laughs> I'm starving. Oh, that's such a nice piece of food. Don't you want to eat it? I want to feel it in my, I want to feel that beautiful food. Your stomach has a voice. What's your response? Man does not live by bread alone. God, God, when we're hungry, understand this. It's a test from God to, dis, to, to determine what's in your heart. That's how he dealt with Israel. That's how he deals with us. So why do we fast? Why do we make ourselves hungry? So that we actually can be tested. We can, we can look at our heart and say, boy, I'm really drawn by all these appetites of mine. I need to pull them back. It's time to pull them back. So we live, food sustains us, but our strength and life is in God. You know, this idea of Father Alexander Schmemann's in it, the book Great Lent, he makes a comment about this. Um, he says, we think food is life, but we actually eat dead stuff. It's so dead we keep it in refrigerators. <laughs> think about it. It's the morgue. Where dead things go, to your refrigerator. That's where you keep them, right? Why? Because they're dead. 
Think about it. That's not life. That's just sustenance. That just keeps us moving. Life is in God. True life is in Christ. This is the test of the fast. I don't live by bread alone. It sustains me, and that's wonderful, and I thank God for it. But it's not my life. My life is in Christ. We debunk the lie that the devil says, food is life. We say, no, God is life. So when you're hungry, that's the point right there. That point of hunger where you say, no, I do not live by bread alone. My life is in Christ. It's a very powerful moment during the fast. So use that. Father Xander Schmemann also says the one problem with this Adam and Eve eating in the garden, they ate apart from God. God gave us food to commune with him and with each other. Eating is communion. So that's why I think it's so important to sit down with, with friends, with family, around food. It's about communing together. Eating alone is an act of Adam in the, in the garden. Alone. We don't eat alone. We eat with people. We eat thank, thanking God. We eat together. So these things can really help us, I think, kind of overcome uh, the struggle with uh, the fast. So I just really much encourage you to kind of keep that focus in the fast. When you get hungry, say, I do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My life is in Christ. So hunger's a good thing during the Lenten season. So make it a good thing. So, and then the, after, uh, uh, I do not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This sense then of prayer becoming a, a, a critical issue for us. So in our prayers, I know we've all made uh, uh, efforts in Lent to pray corporately, to pray individually. And I'm encouraging you to kind of get, if you're a little bit off track, get back on track. Reconnect to it. Don't give up. And I'll share something with you at the end that will help you. So prayer, fasting, both essential uh, practices in the church uh, for us to grow spiritually. Um, St. Theophan the Recluse says, if you're not successful in prayer, you will not be successful at anything. Let me read this to you I, from St. John Climacus, who we are celebrating today. This book on the ladder of divine ascent is uh, very powerful. And um, I wanted to share this with you. So this is about prayer. And I want you to listen to these words because uh, they may not be your experience, but they can be your target. They could be something out in front of you. These are the words of St. John, the great ascetic. Prayer, by reason of its nature, is a converse and union of man with God, and by reason of its action, upholds the world and brings about reconciliation with God. Prayer upholds the world and brings about reconciliation with God. It's the mother and also the daughter of tears. 
propitiation for sins, a bridge over temptations, a wall against afflictions, a crushing of conflicts, a work of angels, the food of all the bodiless spirits, future gladness, unending activity, a source of virtues, a means of obtaining graces, invisible progress, food of the soul, enlightenment of the mind, and acts against despair. A demonstration of hope, a cure of sorrow, a wealth of monks, the treasure of hesychists, the reduction of anger, the mirror of progress, the disclosure of stature, an indication of one's condition, a revelation of future things, a sign of glory. That's prayer. That's what we that's the things we can touch when we pray. And try to play and we try to pray consistently. And so my encouragement to you is is don't give up, okay? The, the struggle sometimes is prayer, being consistent in your prayers corporately or even personally. We get frustrated. We, don't, we, we lose consistency. But the point here is that God is giving us an incredible amount of blessing every time we make an attempt at it, even a simple attempt. Prayer then becomes this, this place, this garden of virtue, this garden of grace. Be excited about it. You're stepping in this garden. You're walking. When you start praying, you're walking into this garden. It's God's going to hand you all these beautiful things. Be excited about that moment. Don't look at it as an obligation. Look at it as an opportunity to find God, to touch God deeply, intimately. So my encouragement is to kind of keep on track with your prayer. Prayer helps us. It sanctifies our mind. It gives us the words. It puts words in our mind that are holy words, that, that help us move away from the things that trouble us. Trouble, troubling thoughts can be overcome by the words of prayer, by the grace of God in those words. So continue that work. So prayer, remember this. When you begin to pray, why are all those things possible? Because when you begin to pray, you draw near to God. And in that nearest to God, these graces come to you. So when you begin your prayers, don't, don't think about it in relationship to just simply, um, I'm doing my prayers, I'm reading my prayers. Look at it as at a time where you actually draw near to God. You step toward him, and he steps back toward you. You step toward the saints. They step toward you. This is a very, very important piece of our life. And so the Lord makes it very clear to us and important that we need to make this effort. So I want to conclude with these words of Father Alexander Schmemann at the end of this chapter on prayer and fasting. I'm going to use, I'm going to change fasting to spiritual effort. So this will encourage you. Um, it's, if it's a true spiritual effort, it will lead, this is important because <laughs> you'll remember, you'll know this. If you make a true, a true spiritual effort, it will lead to temptation, weakness, doubt, and irritation. So if you're tempted, weak, doubting, and irritated, you're making a good spiritual effort. 
In other words, it will be a real fight and probably will fail many times. But the very discovery of the Christian life as fight and effort is the essential aspect of a spiritual effort. A faith which has not overcome doubts and temptations is seldom a real faith. No progress in the Christian life is possible, alas, without bitter experiences of failures. Too many people start their spiritual effort with enthusiasm and give up after the first failure. I would say that this, at this first failure, the real test begins. If after, failed, after, after, and if, after having failed and surrendered to our appetites and passions, we start all over again. I'm encouraging you to do this if this is where you are. And do not give up no matter how many times you fall. Sooner or later, your spiritual effort will bear spiritual fruits. Let your effort be humble and consistent and serious. Let us honestly face our spiritual and physical capacity and act accordingly. Remember, there is no spiritual effort without challenging our capacity and without introducing into our life a divine proof that things that are impossible with men are possible with God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.